Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And welcome back to the show. Joining us now is Dr. Graham Sellers of Northwell. He is the Associate Regional Chief of Colon and Rectal Surgery at Northwell Health in Westchester. He uh, has over 30 years of experience in the medical field, a graduate of Mount Sinai Hospital in New York in 1992. He practices at Northern Westchester Hospital and at Phelps Hospital, where he is a board-certified colon and rectal surgeon. And um, he has been, he spent a lot of his life in Denver, Colorado in private practice. And he is an expert in all surgical aspects of colorectal disease, including colon cancer, rectal cancer, inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's, diverticulitis, all kinds of things like that having to do with the bowel and the rectum and the lower part of our intestines. Uh, Joining us now, Dr. Graham Sellers. The doctor is in. If you've got a question or a comment, 203-333-9422. Welcome, Dr. Sellers. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good Good morning. morning. Thanks for inviting me on this morning. Yeah, no, it's always a pleasure. So although, of course, the subject matter is a little icky, right? You realize that, right? But you're told that probably all day long, right? All day, yes. Uh, allaying people's uh, embarrassment or fear is uh, a common part of my job. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be Mm -hmm. something about the human body. When it comes to that part of our anatomy, we're all a little bit embarrassed about it. I don't know. It's just uh, the way we we are, the way we're built. But uh, I'm actually very comfortable talking about this because my mom had uh, bleeding polyps at the age of 34, and she almost died. That was a very long time ago now because she's 89. Uh, luckily, they were all benign, but uh, she had extensive surgery. A lot of her colon was removed, and um, ever since then, she's had scar tissue and regular uh, colonoscopies, and she grows many polyps. And unfortunately, her bowel and the lack of urgency has been a lifelong problem for her for the mm-hmm. rest of her life. And it's, so I'm very comfortable talking about these issues because cause they're in my family. Yeah, sounds like it's been a part of your family for a while. And I'm assuming that all of your uh, relatives and everyone, uh, blood relatives, uh, is aware and is up to date on their screening 
It's very well, I wouldn't assume that. I haven't had my I haven't had my own um, issues for 13 years. I'm very, very bad. Good. My husband is so oh. angry with me. You can't even imagine. <laughs> we fight about this all the time. Right. It's time for you to get your screening exam. How how often should we be screened in general, doctor? Oh, good question. So, uh, first of all, the age to start screening has uh, been moved from originally 50 years old to now 45 because oh. we're seeing a higher percentage of younger patients uh, with uh, polyps and colon cancer. And so, depending on the type of screening that you have, uh, if people get colonoscopy and if they have a normal uh, colonoscopy and they don't have other risk factors, uh, the interval is about 10 years between exams. And that's that's a, a benefit if you've got uh, a, a normal exam and you're off the hook for 10 years. Uh, I always use that as a motivation to get the exam uh, because uh, you don't have to get it so frequently. Dr. Sellers, what about Instead of having the exam where you have to have some anesthesia and somebody's in your body, what about getting a really good visual scan with a picture? With a picture. Um, So there are a variety of uh, screening tests available. And are you referring to uh, the CT colonoscopy, the virtual colonoscopy? Yes. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah, and so it's a, a specialized uh, CAT scan, and um, there's a, a, a protocol. You still have to do the laxative bowel prep the day before, which for most people is the worst part of the oh, experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is. Uh, I yeah, and then um, the okay. facility that provides that, um, they would uh, do the examination. Then a radiologist looks at uh, those images. And so for people who uh, don't want to get a colonoscopy or can't get a colonoscopy, the um, CT colonography is a very good option. Uh, The recommendations are that you get it about every five years instead of every 10. And unfortunately, with all of these screening exams, if it is positive, then you're going to need to get a colonoscopy because the colonoscopy is the is the only test that actually uh, directly visualizes and um, can actually remove uh, uh, polyps. And so with all of the other tests, um, again, a positive result, uh, the recommendation would be that you would then move forward with a colonoscopy to investigate uh, what's being suggested with that positive result. So let me ask you, Dr. Sellers, before we move on to other things like diverticulitis, which I have some questions about, why do you think more Americans are getting colon cancer younger? It's a great question, and uh, it's it's a very pertinent question right now. Um, there isn't a, a single answer. Um, it, it may have to do with uh, changes in lifestyle, uh, dietary habits. You know, we've we've just had an increase in processed foods, uh, uh, red and processed meats, uh, a, a lower fiber, lower vegetable intake, also physical inactivity, uh, sedentary lifestyles, a lack of regular physical activity. Uh, that's uh, been associated with a higher colorectal cancer risk. Obesity, uh, which again is uh, increasing in the younger age group. Uh, Diabetes is increasing in the younger age group. So there's a lot of things that uh, the environmental uh, factors, uh, exposure to pollutants, toxins in the environment, all of that seem to be coming together and causing a stress 
within the lining of the colon, which leads to the development of polyps and cancer. And so that's why the uh, recommendations to start at age 45, which were uh, put out uh, only a few years ago, um, but it, it is a conversation that I always have with my patients uh, in their 40s uh, about the possible benefits of starting a screening program um, earlier. We're chatting with Dr. Graham Sellers of Northwell, 203-333-9422, for your questions and comments. So what I'm hearing from you is that the colon, which is the large intestine, is really an organ that needs to move, and that to the extent we move and move it or, or eat fiber and things that move through it, we keep it constantly clean. And if we keep it clean and cleaned out, then we have less chance of things growing in there. I couldn't say it better. Yes. That's what it sounds like. Okay. We've got to move. Yeah. We've got to move our bodies. Right. Now, I have, a, I have a very dear friend who has, um, has a diagnosis of diverticulitis. And just a few years ago, she had a bunch of her colon removed in the lower part. They were able to get in at Yale and, and take some out. Uh, and she recovered very well. But now, all of a sudden, she's getting a lot of pain in a higher region. And they're diagnosing... Um, acute diverticulitis in a different part of a colon. Mm-hmm. Could you explain what that is and what are the medicines without surgery? Are there medicines that are appropriate to treat that? What is diverticulitis? So diverticulitis is a uh, a condition of infection involving the colon. And there's a lot of words which are similar and it creates a little bit of confusion. The colon over time can develop things called diverticula and they're like little blebs, little weaknesses of the wall. And it, 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 uh, um, the, the colon develops a little bleb. And if that bleb, that weakness in the wall were to rupture, then there would be a spillage of bacteria, perhaps stool, um, outside of the colon, which then sets up an infection and an inflammatory, painful uh, reaction. So in the lower part of the colon, the sigmoid colon, uh, that's the area where most frequent diverticula form. And again, you spoke about moving the stool through, being regular, being active. And uh, the, there, there's an idea that, that the pressure in this left lower side increases the risk of diverticula forming. But those diverticula can uh, occur throughout the colon. So with your friend, she had the diverticula rupture with the diverticulitis that required surgery, um, and she did well following that, Um, but she uh, continues to be at risk of developing diverticula in other areas of the uh, colon, and that left side becomes kind of the next uh, site of highest risk, and so unfortunately, she's had a similar uh, event happen where one of those diverticula ruptured to cause the diverticulitis. I see. And she's been treating, they gave her penicillin. Is that an appropriate drug for that? Well, um, uh, the choice of antibiotic is very much individualized. There are several that are routinely used, but, you know, people may have allergies to antibiotics. And so it really is a a decision that's personalized uh, between the doctor and the patient as to what the right um, uh, number and types of antibiotics to use. And, but typically, Dr. Sellers, can this be treated by antibiotics or do you need a surgical, uh, do you need, you know, do you need a surgical intervention? It's that time of the year. 
Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The majority of diverticulitis uh, does not become a surgical problem. Uh, okay. <clears throat> it's really a spectrum where you can get uh, the, the pain. Again, typically it's in the left lower side. Uh, and then you uh, contact your family physician and, and there's a workup. Um, and so very often the uh, management is an outpatient management at home under the care of your family physician, taking an antibiotic um, orally and then following to make sure that the symptoms uh, resolve. Very often a CAT scan is obtained in order to uh, make sure of that. But if it is a, a severe rupture and there's a significant infection problem, then it could become a, a situation that you require admission to the hospital. And again, on that spectrum, um, if it is uh, a severe situation that really requires surgical removal, you know, then you're headed in that direction. But overwhelmingly, diverticulitis is a non-surgical uh, problem, very common, managed in the outpatient setting. Okay. We're chatting with Dr. Graham Sellers of Northwell. He is the Associate Regional Chief of Colon and Rectal Surgery at Northwell Health in Westchester, and he's here to answer your questions at 203-333-9422. It seems to me that we have an epidemic in younger people of inflammatory bowel disease. I hear about this all the time. Sometimes they call it Crohn's. Sometimes they just call it IBD. Uh, again, am I wrong about this, or is this something very much on the rise? Um, it, you're, it is on the rise, but but gently. Um, uh, the again, the the colon, you know, is exposed to so much of our environment and the foods that we eat, and so the um, the uh, opportunity for the colon to uh, become inflamed by something. It could be genetic, it could be food-related, it could be lifestyle-related. So inflammatory bowel disease is um, in that category of, of, of colon inflammation. Um, and it, it is a, a, a disease that's often thought of as an autoimmune type of uh, category. Inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease uh, is often a situation where the body is identifying something along the lining and attacking it uh, and creating an inflammation. And so it, it's a complicated uh, a, a disease. Uh, it runs in families, uh, very common, particularly Crohn's disease, 
that there can be a family history. And so, you know, one needs to know your own family history to be aware of things like that. Uh, fortunately, for inflammatory bowel disease, the medical management has been dramatically improved over the past uh, 10, 15 years. Um, a lot of new medications have come on the market which uh, uh, bring that inflammation under control. It used to be a very common uh, surgical uh, issue. Uh, in my own practice, um, I have operated on people with an, uh, ulcerative colitis uh, where they need to have their colon removed and they get uh, kind of a new plumbing. Uh, surgically constructed, and uh, the incidence of surgery has dramatically dropped off so that I used to take maybe one or two patients a month to surgery, and now I take maybe one or two patients every six to ten months to surgery. So the good news is that it is medically treated, uh, uh, and, and again, you would follow up with your family doc or a gastroenterologist if you're having abdominal symptoms that were new and persistent. That's wonderful to hear, Dr. Sellers, because I have a close family member who has this, and he's on Stellara, and he's done brilliantly well, Uh, and so brilliantly well that I think that he thinks that he's pretty much cured. Can you be on these medicines endlessly? In other words, do they have a due date where they stop working, or can you be (laughs) on them the rest of your life? Yeah. Uh, so th- these medications are kind of in the category called biologics, and they have been a, a dramatic improvement in the management. They're much more specific than the older medications like steroids, prednisone. Um, there's also classes of these uh, uh, biologics, and um, a person can develop a tolerance um, if they have a good response initially on these medications. Uh, they've got Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. Um, over time, there can be a kind of a, a, a waning uh, a benefit. And so the gastroenterologists, who are the uh, doctors that typically take care of uh, these patients, they have um, other uh, medicines uh, within this broad category that they can rotate to, switch to. to if a medicine is working successfully, we keep that patient on the medicine. Um, it's very important not to stop and start uh, mm. because the body actually uh, starts to react against the medication and the effectiveness goes down. So the idea is to find the right medication that brings the disease under control uh, and then um, working with your doctor, you would stay on that medication for as long as it is effective. The idea that these medications cure the disease is incorrect. They manage the disease, but unfortunately with Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, the inflammatory bowel disease, um, they're multifactorial and we really still don't understand completely why they happen. Um, and so it isn't a simple thing um, to, to cure a patient, um, but it is possible to bring the disease under control so that the person is able to have a normal life. Oh, yeah. He has an incredibly normal life. In fact, when I see what he eats, half the time I'm like, are you really putting that into your body? <laughs> but he's feeling so great and healthy because when he was sick, he was so sick. You know what I mean? He was yeah. so sick. It had such a terrible impact on his life. And now he feels so healthy that he enjoys everything. So it's good. I, I've often said that, uh, you know, patients with ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, um, it's, imagine having a tummy ache all the time. Mm. You know, it's, I, I've had a tummy ache once in a while, and I'm, 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 I'm miserable, and miserable. I'm miserable to be around. Yes, me You too. know, and yes. so um, I, I have such uh, uh, sympathy, empathy for 
patients who uh, are fighting this problem. And and so it really has been a miracle, uh, these medications over the past you know, 10, 15 years in bringing this disease under control in a way that allows a person to eat the kind of junk food that you're, uh, that you're yeah. referring to with your family yeah. member. That's yeah. funny. Dr. Graham Sellers, you're so wonderful. I do want to say before you go that I understand that Northwell Health is uh, debuting a campaign to feature centenarians. And I think that that's a really cool thing. They are going to be profiling people that live over 100 years. Uh, do you start to see many people like that in your life, in your practice? It, are you seeing much older, old people? It is amazing. It really, the, the, the functionality of uh, people as they get older has been just maintained and improved. And I think one big reason is uh, the smoking. Uh, you know, in past generations, smoking was so common. And so it really just deteriorated people's health. Uh, and I think that's, if I had to say one thing that has allowed people to live more healthy longer into their later years, uh, that and, uh, you know, managing your weight, uh, those two things uh, really uh, give you a, a chance to continue to, to be vibrant and to live uh, uh, into your later years. It actually affects uh, our decision on when to stop screening colonoscopy. I've had many a patient who they're in their late 70s or early 80s and they're vigorous. Uh, they have a life expectancy that is still, uh, you know, a, a long way out. And they've asked me, you know, should I continue to, to get a screening colonoscopy? My response is, if if there is a quality of life that you're experiencing that could be benefited by finding the polyps, removing the polyps, or if you do have cancer, finding it before it causes symptoms. It's a much more curable situation. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it is a, a very common uh, uh, person in my practice, and it's a very common conversation uh, as they get older as to what they need to do to, to maintain that good health. And so you're saying definitely screen. In other words, it doesn't hurt. Screen at 65, screen at 70, 75, 80, because we can quite literally nip it in the bud. We can nip it out on the way. The, the thing about colonoscopy, which is a little bit unique uh, to other types of screening examinations, is that when, uh, when you do a colonoscopy and you find a polyp, removing the polyp decreases the risk of developing colon cancer in the future. If you think about something like getting a breast mammogram um, for, uh, to, to screen for breast cancer, that mammogram does not impact your risk of developing breast cancer. There are so many screen screening tests that are informative, but they don't change the risk. Colonoscopy changes the risk. Colonoscopy lowers the risk. And so it's why I, I, I really recommend it as the preferred screening exam. You're off the hook for 10 years if it's normal. And if you do have polyps, you're identified as a person who should get screening uh, uh, testing a little bit more frequently. Um, but you're also impacting your risk of colon cancer. And, and that really is, I think, a message that, uh, you know, that, that needs to be uh, more broadly uh, uh, known. All right. You've convinced me. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it. I, that's time. Please. I mean, I, we had a, I had clean as a whistle 13 years ago, but it's 13 years. I'm overdue. Yeah. I should do it. I, 
I get that all the time. Doc, I don't have symptoms. Why do I need a colonoscopy? And that's exactly the time to get a colonoscopy before you have symptoms. If you have symptoms from colon cancer, the the risk is that it's a more advanced problem uh, and that it's going to be tougher to treat and that survival uh, is at risk. So getting your uh, screening colonoscopy at the age-appropriate time when you don't have symptoms, that's the way to stay healthy. Thank you so much, Dr. Graham Sellers from Northwell. We really appreciate it. I know you practice at Phelps and Northern Westchester Hospital. We want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and wish you a very, very merry everything and a happy new year. Thank you so much for inviting me. And again, to you and your listeners, uh, happy holidays. And uh, here's to a good 2024. You bet. Dr. Graham Sellers on the Lisa Wexler Show. We'll be right back. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com. 